The following podcast is a Next Level production. In and out of suspension for six months. She rigged up time releases. And she knew there was a track scaler at the Rocky Mountain Shed. And a lab would draw supplies. It's brilliant. She saved herself through suspension, her own last resort. I know a little of the horror she's been through. Truly, Alex, she's a wonder. I need to see her. Bet you do. Oh, by the way, you don't have to thank me for saving her. It's not necessary. Oh, that's good. Just wanted to let you know. Well, I'll take it. By the way, how are your hands? Huh? They're like rocks. Come on. For old times' sake. Panelers, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve. And I'm Daphne. And this is going to be a spoilerful podcast about Snowpiercer Season 3, Episode 9, the penultimate episode. I know. Can you imagine? I feel like in most shows, the penultimate episode really brings a, you know, it packs a big punch. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one did that. Yes, this one definitely delivered. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you give us our title and our synopsis? All right. So episode nine is titled A Beacon for Us All. The synopsis goes like this. Reunited with old friends, the train throws a party. Alliances are tested as the truth is finally revealed. Ooh. I think we were right about the beacon last week. We talked a little bit about... You know, what the beacon might be. Mm-hmm. And we definitely now know what the truth is. Ooh, yeah. It was kind of like a bomb, Steve. Yes. That just went yeah. off. Ugh. Yeah. It, it concerned me a, a little bit that Melanie was the one who dropped it, but we'll talk about that in our, we in, will. In our discussion. Um but yeah, this episode was definitely jam-packed with a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of things happened. Some some things that we predicted, some things that we didn't, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, definitely setting us up for the final episode and uh, the next season. But yes. uh, yeah, what were your initial thoughts, though, when you finished it? Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes of this season. I like the episodes where a lot happens. I like episodes where you think you know what they're going to do and they smack you upside the head and say, nope, this is where we're going in this direction. Mm -hmm. And I found it to be, I mean, we got a lot of perspective and heart in the reunions with Melanie, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. There was just a lot of little things that added up to a huge bombshell, bomb drop. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't get much of the aftermath. It was like the bomb was dropped and everyone scattered. And now we have to wait until next week to find out what's gonna, what the aftermath is, what's really going to happen. Yeah. And I'm a little confused. It, it, and we'll get into this when we get to our discussion. I'm a little confused about where everyone is at. At the end mm-hmm. of the the episode, kind of just want to I want us I want us to, to, that to be one of our discussions of kind of where when we get there, where our different 
people are because Leighton said a line and a, and a, a name that we haven't heard used in quite a while at towards the end of the episode and i'll get to it when it's, it's in my notes uh so excellent I'm, well, I think, I'm gonna be i think we should wait then and at the end before we head into our usual show ending stuff maybe we'll just talk about where everybody is as we head into the finale but there's so much to talk about before we even get there i know i know so let's let's get into it let's get into our discussion points hi So, Daphne, kick us off. Where do you want to start? Okay, I feel like we have to start at the very beginning. I feel, you know, to quote the sound, let's just start at the beginning at a very good place to start. It makes me think of the sound of music. I feel like we have to start at the beginning. We have to do... Let's look at Melanie in the beginning. Mm-hmm. What we get are signs of how she was able to survive on this little vehicle. And You're not re- Yeah, this is the suspension fluid, like, or the suspension liquid is what kept her alive during that time because she would... It was almost like she set a course and she would put herself into suspension and also she had these other fluids which was a stimulant to bring her out of it Mm -hmm. and that was how she was able to survive all of this time without food and water and it makes sense to us if you think about it it does make sense knowing what we know about the drawers but I, you know, you see this big vein thing in her neck, like these veins were mm-hmm. going up. And I don't know if that was because she had used so much of the suspension liquid and that was doing damage to her body. That's one thing I was thinking about when they were showing us this. And we know she was in there for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I've got the breakdown. So when, when you're finished, I can break down the days. Okay. Because my concern, before we even get to the rest of the episode... Is we know that suspension uh, liquid can affect you Mm -hmm. this through, you know, in different ways. Someone learned Mandarin while in the drawers. I'm a little nervous about Melanie. I think she always wants to do the right thing. But I also believe that her being under the suspension liquid and in these comas... How much can we really trust mm-hmm. what she's thinking? Yeah, yeah. So this was this was my this was my first one as well. So I'm glad we're getting into it because I was really glad they didn't make us wait like halfway through the episode or all to the end of the episode before we actually see Melanie. So the episode starts and uh, she. She says, I think it says three months ago is what the, the subtitle told us. And when mm-hmm. when, she, when that three months ago happened, she says into her little monologue that it's day 91. Mm-hmm. So she's already been doing this for three months before we even get to the first time we're kind of interacting with her. 
And yes. like you said, she's been using these suspension drugs like the people in the drawers. And, you know, she had the dark veins. Then I believe it was day 172 when she said mm-hmm. she was running out of stimulant fluid and she put herself into an eight day coma or whatever. And so I'm thinking it's about right at six months. It's about 180 days when mm-hmm. they they find her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I loved Jennifer Connelly's portrayal there because she showed the desperation in herself. Mm-hmm. We kind of see we get this shot at that beginning with that 91 day point where she's still kind of exercising. She's still doing some things. But then the, the further she goes along, we just see this despair start to come across her. And the other thing that I got. Oh, I got chills when I saw her name in the credits both times. I, I knew it. that as, you would. As soon as I, I saw it, I was just like, would. oh, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> but also one of the things that we don't see a lot of, we get to see the perspective of how big Snowpiercer is. Yes. Even if that thing is just person sized, you know, we see Leighton looking down from the, the, the engine or wherever he's at when he sees this thing, when they're bringing it in to Snowpiercer. And Snowpiercer looks like it's got to be, what, three or four stories high. Mm-hmm. It's because it's all these different cars and each car is broken up into different different sections and stuff. So it, it just I was just amazed again at how humongous Snowpiercer is and I love that we get that perspective shot every once in a while that it'll show us just how tall, how wide it is, and and everything. And and this this track scaler that she was on, you know, it had it's a, it like a coffin really, but yeah. So that was that was mine as well. Just seeing Melanie and, and getting that chance to to know that she's okay. Yeah, there were multiple points in this episode as we'll talk about it where perspective came into play. Everyone's got a different perspective on things. And I think you're right. Looking at the size difference, it really was like Melanie was in a small metal tin coffin, riding along and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. We know she was looking for Snowpiercer. Yeah, because she's switching tracks and she's saying, I'm going to go the secondary route. And I've got some more about that later on that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'd love to see a map of everything. I know there's one out there that exists. I need to go look at it. I want to see just how everything is laid out. And they've made this all make sense Mm -hmm. with regard to how she's been able to survive. But I think in addition to like the 180 days, how long was Melanie out in the elements? getting to this vehicle too. So time is a real, in Snowpiercer, time is always a big thing. And I was so excited for her to be, you know, reunited with everyone. But I also, this little thing in the back of my head just kept saying, what if it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go? And it always goes back to Wilford wanting to find her and it's all about power for him so it just made me very nervous about Mm. what what was going to happen and my next point is also looking at i guess for my next point what i'm looking at is 
Alex in relationship to this situation because she's sitting in the engine and everyone's kind of talking around her about, well, she could have done this and she could have done this and this is what good fine. And Alex finally just ha- kind of snaps at them and is like, hey, guys, I know, you know, we could just be finding her body. It's it, I understand that you don't have to sugar, you know, you're not you don't have to sugarcoat it. Yeah. And I think that's okay. You know, I think it's okay. She needed to because this was her mother. She even says later on that she kept her mother alive in her head when she's having this conversation with Melanie. And I think sometimes they forget that Alex, despite her age, is a very well-seasoned, well-traveled engineer due to the fact that she, she grew up with Wilford as her father figure. So she's really savvy and she's really intelligent. Plus she's Melanie's daughter, so she's really intelligent. So mm-hmm. I mean this all adds up together. Yeah. And I think getting to see Alex in this episode, not only in that situation, but when she does have the reunion with Melanie and Alex tries to explain to to Melanie, you know, we were able to find New Eden because of you. Leighton runs the train. We were able to beat Wilford. We've got a democracy, the aquarium. Sorry, some bad news. And that's when afterwards, I think Alex realizes, you know, I'm, she's talking about a minute trying to bring her mother up to speed, but Melanie's still coming out of that coma quite a bit. Yeah. And I loved yeah. that Alex said to her, I kept you alive in my head. I imagine what you would say, what you would think. And Melanie said, you were with me too all the time. And I think it's because they were just, when Melanie left on her mission, Alex and Melanie were really starting to have a good mother-daughter relationship. It was really starting to bloom. It was enough of a connection that Alex was able to look at Wilford and know that he wasn't, he, it basically. She didn't let him drive that wedge. He was trying to drive no. a wedge between her and Melanie. When Melanie left the train to go on her mission, that was what, that was what Wilford was trying to do. He was trying to go, well, she left you again, you know, and, and, and I remember us talking about this last season mm-hmm. and Alex is just not having it. She's like, no, I'm still going to hold on to hope and I'm still going to. And so I, 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 oh, I like exactly where you're going with that. It, it, the, the reunion, the mother daughter reunion was one of mine as well. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I love, like you said, Alex says it's a democracy. Well, but it's not really a democracy and it's, you know, it's not really <laughs> that either. It's this, yeah. but it's not really yeah. that either. <laughs> so it, it gets confusing and you know, There are some points that I want to make about her conversation with Wilford, but I really want to hold on to that till we have, you know, a deeper discussion on Wilford, which I'm sure that we're going to have in this. Um, But there also a little bit later on, I loved the mother daughter moments that Alex and Melanie have before they go to the party. Yes. Because we're getting to see, as we talked about last week, Alex doesn't really know what it's like to have a friend. And she has that now with Carly. 
And she's really nervous about, you know, wanting to wear the right things and look the right way, where she's never really had to do this before. And she's trying so hard. And Melanie is there just really trying to reassure her that, you know, everything is going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really liked that. And, uh, you know, you can see the, I don't want to say that turmoil is too, too big of a word for it, but I think, I think Melanie really struggled with revealing the lie or not revealing the lie. Mm-hmm. At the end, and and even at that moment when she's trying to talk to Alex about the data, and she's saying, you know, well, if you really look at the data without the hope, what do you see? And and we'll talk. I think I've got some more we down will. Below, uh, on that, so I don't want to go too far into that. But um, right alongside with the reunion of Melanie and Alex, we also get the reunion of Melanie and Ben. Yes. Which I thought was so touching when Ben comes into the room and he sees her and, and we're reminded of this relationship that they had and that, you know, that Ben's been holding on to this hope, even though part of him thought she might be dead. He still was holding on to hope and really wanted mm-hmm. her to be alive. And, and yes. so it was it was great to ha- for him to have that opportunity to spend that time with her. Yes, I love that reunion, too. I loved that um, he was just, a lot of it was done in facial expression, initial facial expression, relief on his part, joy, and then just these little moments that they did have, you know, throughout the episode. While she's being brought to speed, because I don't think she expected things to be on Snowpiercer the way that they were. And so she, I feel like this episode is really about her coming to, you know, forming in her head, you know, the story of what's happened and where they're going and what they should be doing. I feel like she's got a genuine concern there, but I feel like that's something too that we can talk about just a little bit later because our final points are going to be... About Melanie, yeah. yeah. Okay, and so, let's, so let's, let's, let's let's go to a different direction for a second. Um, okay, and we kind of started talking about it earlier, and it's something that I I tried to pay a lot of attention to. Um, is it, it, it's going to combine several conversations, but mainly it's the conversation that Roche, uh, Roche and and Ruth have, mm-hmm. and they talk about the fact that it's been eight years. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be crossing, they're going to be seeing the pyramids for the last time. But then Roche says something very interesting that I don't think we've ever, I, I think we talked about it, but we never settled on exactly how long a, a trip around the world takes. But he says, we see the pyramids every three months. Mm-hmm. So either, and, and this is where I tried, this is when I started to think about the fact that they're talking about the tracks leading up to the horn uh, being unsound, and so they don't go that route. And Melanie, at the beginning, when she was talking about they're not on the primary route anymore, they must be on a secondary route. And so I think they weren't necessarily circumnavigating the globe all the time. Right. They were, I think it so, shifts. Yeah, and so they were they so for eight years for the, for a, a good portion of the eight years they passed the pyramids every three months, mm-hmm. doing some track, some 
you know, some track that didn't necessarily take them all the way around. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, you know, she talks to the fact that she's calculating where she's at on her route. And she's like, I haven't even seen a sign of them. I think I'm passing through Casper, Wyoming at one point, you know, and when she does meet back up with, with them, they're getting close to Africa. So it's just one of those things that I, I, we're, we've never been given, like you said, we don't have a, a map of all these tracks, but it's, it's, it's a, it goes back to also what Asha kind of talked about with Wilford being the great engineer that when they saw the world starting to go cold, mm-hmm. he must have already been building this train, not as a Noah's Ark. I think he was just building this train just as a train around the world, you know, cause he's this mega rich, ultra mega rich guy and he can do that. He can, and there must've been enough of a, unity of the planet that people were willing to let him, and I'm sure he had to pay money, but to build tracks through all these different countries and well, stuff. And he, he would never know if the tracks, you know, now that the world is frozen over, he doesn't know for sure until they're going through something, whether or not, or what the track situation is like, what the condition is, that the tracks are in. And that, is an issue where now he does know about problems down at the Cape, which is why he wanted to bring Melanie back, I think, because he needed someone to take control of the train because he was concerned about that. But I still can't trust his motive because, well, let's think about it. He does love power. He wouldn't want them to get off the train. And the more and more and more he's off the coma, you know, that he was in, he, he's just becoming more and more of that old Wilfred. And we really got to see that at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another interesting thing, too, that I, I had forgotten that Melanie put, um, why is Leighton? Put Leighton in the drawers for a while. So mm-hmm. now all of our, our uh, these three main characters have all had, um, you know, Melanie kind of was in a drawer in mm-hmm. that in in that uh, that track scale. Her drawer so, was bigger than everyone else's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't. It definitely was bigger well, than everyone. And Wilford was never actually in a drawer. <laughs> no. but he was given the suspension fluid. So it's just it's just this interesting thing that that we have these three characters that now have they've all had this suspension fluid in them at some point, mm-hmm. and and like you said, we don't know what all the effects are going to be. Of of Melanie later yeah. on down the road, so we don't we don't know what's going to happen. And again, I I'm just not sure how much we can trust because she has been under the influence of that, and now that she's come out of it, it just makes me question how long does she have to be out of it to really get back to being who she is. While I trust that she's looking at the data and wants to make the right decisions, I think she should i mean in this episode she basically went from person to person to talk to them about new eden and the data trying to i think determine where people were at and in the end she really i guess found that javi was the only one that she could really trust and it's because he didn't have all the information yeah, and I don't think I realized that uh, until 
till that moment between him and Melanie when he says, you know, at least I wasn't in the bathroom this time when you took over the train. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, Poor hobby. But- <laughs> I, I have to bring up one thing. Her reunion with him was wonderful. Yes. I feel like it brought a sense of calmness to him that he, you know, it's another thing to make him feel more like himself. I mean, because she looked at his face and and realized that something bad had happened to him. And there was compassion there in the way she looked at him, the way she talked to him, and the hug that she gave him. And I know that, yeah, the connection is definitely there. And I think um, it was one of the highlights of the episode. I love that she was reunited with everyone else, but I think that there was just a compassion there with Javi that he really needed in order to continue his recovery from all of the trauma with Wilford, which I could talk about something in the previews for next week, but I'm not gonna. Uh, So where do you want to go next? Okay, so I feel like we can't have an episode of Panels to Pixels, the Snowpiercer edition, without talking about our beloved LJ and her psychotic tendencies. Crazy LJ. That's all I have. In my notes, all I had is crazy LJ. (laughs) She did it again. And I love Oz, and I'm so worried for him now. I'm so worried for him. He he knew what he was getting into. He knew she was crazy. And he's very concerned because he wants to go for a walk with her. And she's like, no, I want to go on my own. If I wanted you to come, you know, I'd invite you. But he's really worried. And so he follows her and sees that she's getting some sort of medication, drug, poison. Yeah, from Dr. Right. Yeah, from Dr. Hadwood. And she comes back and gives it to someone in the catering department who meets her at the cl- at the night car. When Oz talks to her about it, she's just, you know, he's concerned. And she throws him down and says and then takes a knife and threatens and calls out arteries. You know, and says to him, I thought you were the only person who could love me without trying to turn me into somebody else. And he looks at her and says, I love you, please. And she says, good, I love you too. But don't think I won't sacrifice what I love to get what I want. LJ, as we know, wants power. Has always wanted power. Loved her life of privilege that she had, but hated being under her parents' thumb. So she was happy to be rid of it. She wants to be, she will play whatever side she has to in order to get herself further ahead. And right now we know that she's playing with the Wilfredites, I guess Mm -hmm. is what Oz calls them. Because we don't see her for the rest of the time, really. But what we do see is Oz goes to his old boss, Roche, and says that he's really worried about what LJ's up to and thinks that something is coming to a head. So Roche is going to talk to Leighton, but then everything hits the fan. Yeah, and I think that leads us right to Wilford and what's going on with him in this episode. That was one of those things that I'm starting to look at Brakeman like red shirts. Every time we meet a new Brakeman, 
I'm like, yeah, that person's going to die <laughs> because we meet Tyson and I didn't catch the other Harold and Charles or whatever. The other two guys. Yes. Wilfred's being guarded by three brakemen, Tyson, Henry and Brandon. Okay. Henry and Brandon. Okay. Um, and so and at first, this is where I kind of must have zoned out at the, the first time watching it because I didn't see the the reveal of them being dead until this second this second watch and we realize that 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 stuff that LJ got from Dr. Headwood and gave was to the king person yeah it was poison and he gave it to the guards and the guards died and now Wilford is is loose and i thought it, it's just a quick it's just a quick note about him here but it's just interesting that that whole scene between him and Alex where his hand is shaking and hers isn't was mm-hmm. was very telling and where he tries to say, you know, you still care about me. And then she walks away saying the closer we get to New Eden, the lesser you the less you matter kind of thing mm-hmm. I thought was was just brilliant on Alex's part. But also it's interesting because. we I think we talked about this last week or the week before when we were talking about the lie of New mm-hmm. Eden is that even the people who know that Leighton lied to the train about be, about going to New Eden, even the people who know that's a lie are still believing that there's some truth to it. And they are are going all in on it to the mm-hmm. point where like Ben, I don't know, like his conversation with Melanie, I don't I don't know if their relationship is going to survive after well, after this. I wondered if Melanie thought that Ben was going to side with her on this. I wondered about that, you know? I think that she gauged everyone's she she gauged what everyone was thinking when she had these small discussions with them and i think overall i think she believed that maybe if she came forth and said something that she would be able to get more people on her side Right now, she just doesn't want people to trust Leighton. I disagree with the way she went about this. I feel like she should have pulled them all together and talked to them out of respect for them that they kept things going. Because earlier, she's telling Leighton, you know, thank you for protecting my daughter, for keeping the train going, for keeping people safe. You know, and she, you know, she tells him, I know that you lied to the passengers. And this is yeah. what she said to him. And I really liked this quote where she said, in a way, lying is a kind of empathy. You protect people from the burdens you don't want them to bear, but you keep people in the dark, you take away their power. So you just have to know that you're right when you're doing this. And Lightning actually says to her, is that what you tell yourself? Because let's, let's look at lying as a whole, when it comes to Snowpiercer. (laughs) If anyone understands what Leighton has done, it's Melanie, because she did the very same thing. Mm -hmm. And she did it for the very same reason. She wanted to protect people. She wanted to keep them safe. She didn't want them to deal with the burdens. 
She was dealing with the burden. She took them all upon herself. And that's what Leighton is doing here as well with this lie mm-hmm. about New Eden. And so it's it's interesting. I had this in my my uh, my my. This was my big moment as well as is all this discussion about lying and the fact that that Leighton has told them that he's actually been to New Eden, but mm-hmm. he hasn't. And you know, we talked about that last week with Asha's death last week. He kind of he could have had a way out if he had said, "Well, Asha told me," but. He didn't do that. He didn't throw it Mm-mm. back on Asha, which I'm I'm glad he didn't. But also, mm-hmm. he, he really didn't have a choice because Melanie basically called him out, which is – it's another interesting thing that Melanie figures this lie out by just talking – like you said, she talked individually to people about what had happened and she doesn't get a straight story. And even Wilford knows that they didn't actually go to New Eden. He says there's so many holes in this mm-hmm. New Eden. This this fact that they went to New Eden is – is we all know it's a lie. Mm-hmm. But they're holding out hope that there's some remnant. That there's something there, that there is something there that they can move off the train into. And even Josie says it when, and this is leading into another point, you know, earlier Ben encourages Leighton not to hold back and to tell Josie how he feels because it's finally... We've got, you know, as Zara has tried to explain, Leighton and Zara are not going to be a thing. And so Leighton needs to tell Josie how he feels about her. And Ben encourages him to do this. And he tells her he loves her and she loves him too. But she also says that she can't be with him. Oh, I was so heartbroken. I know. But the way she said it... I can't be with you. Not right now. We've left too many pieces of ourselves behind. There's not enough left to share anymore. You need to lead these people off this train. What's in your tank is going to them. So again, it's all with this shared hive mind idea of getting people off the train and get, and having a new life. And while I think Melanie agrees, with trying to find a place that they can go, she also is looking at the data to try to determine it. You mm-hmm. know, what's real and what's not real. And Wilford plays to Melanie's focal point of wanting to keep everyone safe and sa- and, and even tells her, you know, he, I'm worried about Alex. He plays to Melanie, you know, mm-hmm. he continues to play to Melanie's fears and says, I'm afraid for Alex. Someone's got to be the grown-up and keep these people safe. I don't think Wilfred gives two shits about keeping anyone safe. I think he feels like he can control Melanie. Yes, I I, I think you're right. Because that's when, when she goes back and talks to him, and he becomes kind of the one who basically gives her the, the final... Um, the final piece that she needs mm-hmm. to to know that okay, this is not this is not the best course of action for us. Go this this is the data is inconclusive at best. The 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 tracks going to the Horn of Africa were sketchy eight years ago, mm-hmm. and so that's why we've never come this way. But there's also they both mention and 
Melanie says this at the end as well to Ben, that there's this turn they have to make. That if they make this turn, then there's no there's no way to go back. They have to complete the trip to the Horn of Africa. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be the big question. And I wonder if that's going to be the cliffhanger we're going to be left with next week is whether they actually have to make this turn or not. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. Um, part of me would like to know, but at the same time, it seems like a logical place where that yeah. they could give us a cliffhanger. And I've got more about that when we get to the notes. Um, yeah. No, the news. The news. I'm sorry. The news. When we get to the news. I, yes. I think that she, in her interactions that she has with everyone, like when she's talking to Ben and she says, and he's telling her, well, we didn't tell Javi because we're trying to keep him going, giving him something to live for. And she says, well, positive thinking is great. Just not if it replaces critical thinking. Yes, that was a very so, good line. And I feel like they're just, you know, they're. It's not that I don't want them to have hope. It's just that I want them to be realistic about it. I think that's what Melanie wants too. And it's at that point that Melanie decides to go talk to Wilford and. Ben tries to warn her and say he's just going to play the games he play, and I still think he's playing games. But For in sure. every interaction that she has, it's the same thing. You know, Alex even says, oh, it's nothing like your mom checking your homework, meaning you don't trust my review of the data. But Melanie does talk to her about the concerns that she has. Yeah, that's and that's where that conversation was about. If you take hope out of the equation, if you mm-hmm. take if you take out of the equation that Leighton has told this lie that he's actually been there. If you take mm-hmm. that all out of the and you and you um, objectively look at the data, that's what what Melanie was trying to get them to understand. And I think, like you said, I think it's it's a manipulation definitely by Wilford mm-hmm. sending her her out there with with all this with you know because he. Cause he says straight up that it's a lie. He says there's whole, like I said earlier, there's holes in it, but she, like I said, I, I think she struggled with making this decision, but I, I also, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I disagree with the way she did it. Yeah. She should have got the people that knew the lie together. Yeah. Because all of them in, and tried to talk to them <coughs> objectively. She you trusted know. them this entire time to keep things going, even though, I mean, she really had no idea what was going on on Snowpiercer. But as far as coming back and realizing that Leighton had done all of these things to keep things going, keep people safe, do the best that he could do, and this is how she she treats it. You know, I do think that Leighton, the, Leighton was dismissive of her when she's talking to him about this situation. He kind of brushes her off. Mm-hmm. And I think that was not the right thing to do. I think that just made her think that she couldn't do the right thing by bringing everyone together. She just was like, and now I'm going to have, I've got to take control of this. She had to throw chaos into the mix. And that's what Ben, that's what Ben says is you just made things chaotic by doing this, by bringing this out, because now all the passengers that are left and this is another one of those things that we don't know. We don't know exactly how many passengers we have. Yeah, we uh, don't. <laughs> left. But uh, we That's know. It's hard to tell. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So she throws this chaos bomb in, you know, she, she drops the truth bomb of that, that Leighton lied about actually going to New Eden. And then mm-hmm. suddenly everybody's like, wait a minute, what do you mean you've not actually been there? And she says, it's still minus 98 degrees outside where we are right here. And so she's trying to let them understand that it's even if we get there. It may not be ready. It may not be ready. They may be a few years away from getting off the train. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And she's just trying to, you know, she's trying to be realistic. But again, like I said, I just feel like she went about this the wrong way. Um, And I'm disappointed in that. Uh, She also had did have a great reunion with the train when she got to Mm -hmm. sit down. But also, she didn't get reunited with Ruth until very late in the episode. Ruth had not seen her or talked to her. And that was a very quick interaction, too. Mm -hmm. They didn't didn't really say much, but... Yeah. I mean, Ruth toasts everything. I think... One of the things, too, that stood out to me is the, again, I feel like this episode was about perspectives. Winnie and her perspective of seeing the pyramids, you know, we they went right down to her level to shoot that piece when she's pointing out the window. And I love that because it's like, it's a perspective of a child looking out at something that's so enormous with so much history. And I just thought that that was really well done as again again the cinematography the sets everything in this uh show and series is they just do such a great job it really most of the time feels like it's not a regular cable tv show it's like it's on one of the premier cable networks it's it's beautifully shot um um i'm not sure where we're at at this point (laughs) well i think i've Got through all my discussion points, and I have a few notes, but not much. I have one more that I feel like we have to mention. Okay. We can't get through this without mentioning it, and that is Audrey and Till. Thank you. That was that was one of the last things I had that we hadn't even talked about yet was Audrey yeah, and Till. Yeah, we have to talk about Audrey and Till. It looks like something's happening between them. I know last week I said I really didn't want it to um, because I just think that you can be besties without having you know you can have an intimate relationship as friends without it being a romantic relationship and i didn't and i kind of really didn't want that so i'm not sure how i feel about it but till did sleep the best that she slept in years Mm -hmm. and when audrey decides that she you know till goes to ask Audrey to accompany her to the party. Audrey didn't feel that anyone has, you know, forgiven her and really didn't feel like it was the right time till decides for them to skip it and does the one special thing that she could do for Audrey, which is taking her to the night car so that she can be back in the place that she's most comfortable. And I love the conversation that they had about the night car and Audrey talking about how special it is until saying, no, you know, you're special. You made it special, not, you know, the night car is the special thing and you were part of it. it it's you that made this what it was. Yeah. The progression, and I was the same way last week, you know, saying I don't want it to be romantic, but the progression they had in this episode of it with, you know, till at the beginning, she kind of 
compares it kind of to a transference thing to a doctor, uh, you know, a, a nurse patient, doctor patient kind of thing that, well, you know, you're just feeling this way because, because of, and I'm sure it's happened to you before with people that you helped heal. And Audrey says, no, this is different. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the scene in the night car where it, as it progresses, as they're dancing and they get closer together and it's, so it's going to be interesting because they got stopped short before anything could really get down to business, so to speak. Um, <laughs> I could see them, I could see them next week kind of walking it back, you know, yeah. and, and being and like Till and Audrey both going, you know, that, that moment was, was emotional. It was, it, we were caught up, it, we were swept up into the emotion of the moment. And now that we have clearer heads, we really are just going to be good friends. So I could see that happening. I could also see it going to a romantic side. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I like I think, the way they. I think a lot's going to change or maybe not change, but that bombshell that got dropped on everyone, I think is going to affect many things the undercurrent of the train itself and so i'm not sure where we're gonna be i all i know is we have one episode left of the season i can't believe it we're this close i know to being done for the season i can't believe it um and, and then we're gonna yeah. have to wait um, and then we're gonna have to wait again and i don't know i'm not good at waiting I feel like I have to start looking forward to what the next series is that's coming out that I'm looking forward to just so that I can get through this time. And then all of a sudden it'll be, guess what? Snowpiercer's back. So I'll be excited about that. So the only, the only thing I have left in my notes besides where, and we talked about, we're going to, besides the setup for the, the next episode and kind of where everybody is, is Leighton says something where he gets, he gives the baby, he gets uh, Zara and the baby, and he tells, I think it's Ben. Yeah, he says, Ben, take Zara and the baby to Big Alice. Mm-hmm. We have not heard that engine called Big Alice in, what, I know. Eight, epi- eight episodes, you know? Yeah. Um, and and so that, that can maybe lead us into talking about where everybody is, because mm-hmm. our Javi and... And Melanie must be at the front of the train because I could see from the way it looked like it was traveling that they, they were are the- in sn- the Snowpiercer engine. That's where Melanie ends up. She does go to check on Wilford and realizes what he's done. What a terrible way to die for his guards. Um, she got Javi all wound up about Ben not telling him the truth, so he's angry. Um, so what it looks like is. Ben, Leighton, Zara, Liana, Josie, Till are all on Big Alice. And Alex are all on Big Alice. Well, did we see Alex that? Because remember, Melanie asks Ben, is Alex with you? Um, I did not see her, so I'm not sure if she actually is there. Okay, that's... She may that be with... Yeah, she may be with Carly. Honestly, the poor girl is... She's got a lot to deal with, with yeah. the adults in her life right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and Javi, <laughs> um, Javi and Melanie are at the front of the, are, they're in the main Snowpiercer engine. Okay, and then and, and then the rest of Wilf- our group, and Wilford, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know where Wilford is. He's just no, not yet. Anyway, 
No, he did a bad, bad thing. And I am realizing there are a lot of hidden places in Snowpiercer. He had that little hidey hole with all the booze cigars and, and cigars, cigars yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I don't think anyone knew about that. No, and it was in that car that, you know, Melanie says that the car they've been using, it looks like a library car kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. That she's like, she's like, well, this is pretty nice cell to be in. And he's like, yeah, Leighton can't do what he what he should have done. And which I'm, I'm sure he's he's thinking that Leighton should have killed him. Yep. You know, because he's like, Leighton, if you don't kill me, I'm just going to keep coming back. So yeah. He is like a little cockroach, isn't he? <laughs> um, okay, so any other notes? Um, let's see. Um, just um, a couple. Alex looked really overwhelmed when people are starting screaming at Leighton, and she just looks like in complete shock. So she just kind of goes and sits in a place that had like a little curtain, and she's just sitting there just like overwhelmed to everything. I didn't see LJ at the party, so I'm not sure where she was. Yeah. God only the, knows. The Wilfordites, the Wilfordites must be gathering somewhere to get ready for war. So. Yeah. Um, Ruth ordered Tristan to bring up all the champagne. So all 246 bottles of champagne. Um, I think that might be all that i have for notes uh the only quote i have left that we haven't given is the one that made me chuckle at least the second time was when wilford uh when they're picking melanie up and wilford says that'll be ben back there waving his big arm around (laughs) i just just thought was was just funny i don't know Uh, why (laughs) that reminds me you know what that reminds me of another one where Wilfred is looking out there and he's talking about Melanie maybe being a skinny carcass right now. And Tyson says, well, I can't tell what you're hoping for. And he says, it's not always clear to me either, Tyson. We're fickle things. And Sean Bean, as much as I can't stand Wilfred, he makes me mad every single week. He's doing such a great job at his job of making me mad at him every single week. <laughs> he is, he is, he is. <clears throat> All right. Well, anything else to add? No, I think that is everything that I have. I did not see any feedback. I checked email and everything. So hopefully we'll get some more feedback for next week. Do you I want to talk? I hope so. I hope we do. We get into, before we get into news, um, let's talk about, or do you, let's talk about the preview. And okay. I'll <clears throat> give the listeners, if you don't like previews, if you're one of those people that doesn't want to hear it, so skip ahead a minute or so, because we won't spend a lot of time here, but we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the, the preview for next week. Yes. Yes, we will. So the, I, we were talking earlier, Daphne, and the, the big thing that stood out to me that I that worries me in this preview is that it looks like Wilford and Melanie either toasting or they're going to forming be an alliance. To, I yeah. feel like they're forming an alliance, and that makes me worried because I'm worried for my buddy Harvey because I, he's just so traumatized. I'm worried about it. That, oh my goodness, um, 
It looks like a lot of chaos, a lot of people banding together. I, they didn't give us a lot, but that one little piece that you're talking about. And then there's one other thing, but I don't want to mention it because I don't want to spoil it. Okay. But if we, we, it is real, if what I saw in the preview is real, I just want to say, God bless you, Dr. Hedwood. Because that could make up for some of the frustration I have felt this season. And that's all I'm going to say about it. All right. Uh, that's well, all I'm going to say. <laughs> with, with that, there is some news. A uh, couple of things I want to point out. First off, um, I think we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Moon Knight will be will be debuting next week on Disney Plus's Marvel Universe. I believe Mark and I are going to be podcasting over that together, and I'm excited for it. And then the other thing was today, as I was searching for news of Snowpiercer season four, I found a YouTube video from July of 2021 that had David Diggs and a few of the other cast members in it talking about that they have been confirmed for season four, that they in July of 2021, they had wrapped season three and they were confirmed for a season four. So that's fantastic. Now, I'm going to bring up something that's kind of out of the realm of the comic news, but something that we talked about. Although Steve wasn't with us, a few of us went to Fandemic, which is a convention down in Atlanta. Steve was missed. We wish you were there with us, Steve. So hopefully you'll be able to go to whatever the next one is that we go to. Um The interesting thing about it was a couple of us talked about how cool it would have been to have a Snowpiercer representative, like uh, some of the cast there at this convention, because um, it's a great show. And I do think there is a fan base out there. I mean, they're getting renewed for season four. And I do think it would be great if they had, you know, some some of this cast, because some of the other shows are ending some of the ones that are, you know, it's popular to have those cast members at these conventions. So it just got me to thinking, some of the rest of us to thinking about, wow, it'd be really cool to have, you know, David Diggs. And if it's not, you know, what about Mickey Sumner or some of the others, you know? It would just, yeah. Yeah. We yeah, thought it would, it would be great. great. And it might increase audience. I mean, of course, you're, you probably won't get Sean Bean to come to uh, some sort, you know, a convention. Yeah. But, you know, some of the others, I feel like we could possibly pull in, like Rowan Blanchard. I mean, that w- it would be so cool to have a, a, a panel with her um, or Allison Wright or Lena Rocker-Hall, or even bring in Stephen Ogg to talk about it. I mean, I just think it'd be really cool to, for some of these shows, Stephen Ogg is one of those ones, Stephen Ogg is one of those ones that kind of cross-pollinates also with with several different things. I mean, he's the Grand Theft Auto guy, he was in The Walking Dead, and and Snowpiercer. So he's done a lot of other things, and he was in, um, no, he wasn't in, I thought he was in, nope. I can't remember what else he's been in, but yeah, he's, he crosses, he crosses those, those, uh, those streams, so to speak. Yeah. I think it'd be just really cool to bring in some different people and get to showcase some things. Now that things seem to be going back 
to a world that we had before. It was a, it was a cool experience to do this. It was the first time I had been at a convention. Um, it was great to be there with people who had been before. But yeah, it got us to thinking about, okay, what's next? What are some of the stars of the future that you could bring in from some of these other shows? And so we were yeah. talking about Snowpiercer a little bit. Very, very cool. Uh, well, with that, I have one podcast recommendation for me this week, and that is, I've talked about it before, it's the Welcome to Our Show, the New Girl Rewatch podcast. They interviewed Jake Johnson, uh, a.k.a. Nick, this week, and he uh, he is starting a new show on HBO Max called uh, Is the Minx or Minx? It's I watched a trailer for it today, and I, I think the first two episodes have already dropped on HBO Max, but it's basically about mm-hmm. – it's based in the 1970s, and the first um, male nudie magazine that was directed at females, or a fictitious nudie magazine oh. uh, directed at, at uh, females. So it sounds like it's going to be an interesting uh, comedy from the 70s, so – Well, believe it or not, Steve, I'm going to promote a podcast. We actually met, I think she pronounces it Hanako. She is um, the podcaster for Fandom Hybrid Podcast. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but we got to meet her when we were in Atlanta, and she's super cool, so I just wanted to promote her podcast. People can give it a listen. She's really great. Um, She was at one of the functions that was going on in atlanta so i just want to say the uh, say the name of the podcast again it is called fandom hybrid and it's all it's a whole bunch of like pop culture tv and film um all the geeky stuff it's just great and she's a lot of fun so i wanted to promote that very, very cool. Well, that's uh, thank you very much. Uh, with that, you are listening to us, hopefully on your podcast player of choice. I hope nobody's forced you to listen to it on a particular podcast player. But hey, you know, I don't know your life. Uh, but you can hear us <laughs> on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever there is. If there's an opportunity to give us a review, we would love a, a review, a five-star review. And uh, give you, we'd be able to give you a shout out here on the podcast. Yes, you can check out our website at panels2pixelspodcast.com. We also have a Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash panels2pixels. We are on Twitter at panels2pixels, and that's panels with the number two and pixels. We have an email address, which is panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. That's panels2pixels1, the T-O spelled out right in the middle, and the number one at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube if you search Panels to Pixels podcast. Please give us a thumbs up and subscribe. We are on Instagram at Panels to Pixels podcast. That's the letters all spelled out, Panels to Pixels podcast. You can check out all the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network. We highly recommend them. Wilhelm, The Melting Pat, Podcast Zero, and so much more. Go to nextlevelradioonline.com and check them all out over there. Coming up next week, we will have the final episode of Season 3, The Original Sinners. Oh, goodness. Um, OG That came up in the preview, like, in an overlay, or, like, Leighton was saying it, and it flashed to Melanie, him... And Wilford, and I'm just like, oh, goodness. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not ready for it to be over, but I kind of am just like, ah, it's just, 
Oh, there's so much. <laughs> I know. I know. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. Well, Daphne, what's coming up for you? Where can listeners hear you? Well, um, my podcast with Paik is called Run for Your Lives. So we are on a break right now. We'll be back on or around the 15th of April, I think. Um, we're just taking a little break. Lots of stuff going on. And we're kind of recording to get ready for next season, which is season four. Um during this time, though, I am over on Podcastica doing Yellow Jackets podcast. We have covered the first few. I think this week will be episode five. I will not be on that episode, so I'm looking forward to listening to it and uh, hearing what everyone has to say about Bloodhive. But what we're doing is kind of something special over there. We're going through the episodes, discussing them knowing what's happened in the entire season. So it's full of spoilers. So if you have not watched the entire season, I would recommend that you do that first. But this week, it's going to be Wendy, Penny, and Jason breaking down episode five, Blood Hive. Very, very cool. I haven't done my live Steve yet. I may do that tonight or early tomorrow morning. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Moon Knight is starting up next week. So Mark and I should be, uh, those should be dropping uh, hopefully weekly starting next week, Moon Knight, right here on Panels 2 Pixels. Well, with that, I am Steve. And I'm Daphne. And this was Panels 2 Pixels, and we'll see you on the next panel. Good night. Good night.